Welcome to What Are Your Rights Podcast with Bob Moreland and George Derrick. Good evening, good afternoon, good night. Depending on what time you're listening to this, this is What Are Your Rights. We've got a number of issues we're going to discuss today. You know, it's funny, I'm listening to it right now in the present. That's true, George. I'm listening to it too. Uh, we've got plenty of things that we're going to hit today, but what we mainly wanted to go over is who we are. What are we doing? What is this? What are you listening to? Why are why? you listening? Exactly. And, and why should you? So we think you should listen, and we think you should listen every single week. We're going to be doing a weekly podcast from 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Maybe, 40, tr- maybe 47 minutes. I don't know. Maybe right? longer. We might even put some surprises out there and add one on a random Thursday for an hour and a half. Who knows? Uh, we're just here to dish out some legal knowledge and to have a little bit of fun with everything. What we're pretty much going to be doing is the whole goal of this podcast is to just demystify the legal system. This is not a podcast for lawyers. I frankly don't like lawyers. I love them. You like lawyers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I. that makes one of us. Well, you know, lawyers are very arrogant. We like to hear ourselves talk, which is a reason why I want to do this. And Actually, every time I hear myself talk, I enjoy it. So, <laughs> so that works. Why don't we get into a little bit of our background, George? How did we meet each other? Who, Let me, who are we? Want me to say, um, you know, I'll do. I'll say my background. You can say yours, and then I'll explain how we met. You know, we're recording right now. We could, we could just say that. Go ahead. Yeah. You know what we're gonna do? In post production, we'll edit this out, so no one's gonna hear this, this stuff. Right. I don't want people to think we're amateurs because we're not. We've been doing this for a long time. So, okay, back <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, who am I? You know, I grew up in the East Bay, educated at, uh, in San Lorenzo School District, specifically Arroyo High. After Arroyo, uh, my GPA was 2.7, so naturally I went to UC Berkeley. And when people ask me that, I always say, you know, bodybuilding scholarship. Or Which, underwear model. I, that's how I got yeah, my scholarship. I, I modeled right. underwear for a little while. But what really happened is I went to junior college in Hayward. Got a 4.0, got to Berkeley, decided to go to law school because not much to do with a sociology degree. And those sociologists that listen to this podcast, I know there's probably thousands of them, don't take offense to that. What you're doing is great. But I just didn't have a calling in whatever it is you do since I completely forgot what I learned. Uh, so I went to law school, went to Golden Gate Law School in San Francisco, Ooh. and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's a joke, I went to Golden Gate we'll get, Law School we'll as well, that. we'll get into that, yeah. it's a good school. Went to Golden Gate, uh, first two years were uneventful, then I joined something called the Innocence Project, and what that is is basically prison inmates all over the state of California write in to our law school or to Innocent Projects throughout the state, and they what they do is they say, well, I'm innocent, and so there's correspondence and we do some investigations you know george i was in the jail yesterday and while i was at the jail everyone in there was telling me they're innocent all my clients are innocent you know that right <laughs> yeah well it's a pretty messed up system even when you're guilty you're innocent i, I see how that works out <laughs> so what happened was i ended up working on a case where a guy was actually he actually was innocent um and you know his name is pete rose not the baseball player uh he was uh wrongfully convicted out of san joaquin county and uh, it was just amazing work on that case. So I thought, oh, maybe criminal defense is my thing right out of law school. Uh, and after I took and passed the bar exam, I was hired at a public defender's office. And I switched to another public defender's office after that for a few years. Then I quit and I started my own thing. That's, I guess that's my background. Okay. Tell us about yours, Bob. My name is Bob Mortland. Uh, I like long walks on the beach. I, I was born in Los Angeles 
And uh, were you born on a beach? I was not born on a beach, but you know, that's interesting. Go on. I, I was born in Los Angeles area. I lived down there until I was five years old. I remember all that very clearly. Exactly um, five, or just roughly when you were five. Exactly five. On my fifth birthday, <laughs> my my parents decided that they didn't want me to live in the LA area anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. And, <laughs> and uh, we we ended up moving to the central California. A uh, little place called Porterville, not very well known, not very well populated. Who doesn't know Porterville? And, That's what uh, I want to know. Horrible heat and sticky and fun times. Uh, stayed in Porterville till I was about 12 years old. Uh, did some schooling down there in elementary school. What elementary school did you go to? I want to know. Uh, I went to Roach and Los Robles down there. They called it Roach, huh? They called it Roach. I'm just going to leave that as is because we don't have an hour for me to... No, we could jump on that another time. We could talk about We're going to footnote that. We're going to get back to Roach Elementary. Uh, and then I, my dad and mom got divorced, and we moved up to Sacramento area. moved moved in with my aunt and all my family up there. A lot of family was already in Sacramento, so that was a good transition for us. Went to school there. Um, went to high school, junior high, all that stuff in the Sacramento area. And then my high school GPA was about on par with yours. I think it was closer to two point five than two point seven. But slacker. And I still got into a UC school. I did it uh, through you know a way you may have heard of, uh, which is community college. Yeah, that's what I did yeah. too. I think that's smarter than. I think community college is a good move, but it really depends on who you are and what you're trying to do with yourself. And if you go to community college, you can still become an attorney and have fun and make a fun podcast. So fun. Brilliant. Already. We're five oh, minutes in. People are already like going down on their knees weeping. Crying. I've seen it. I've seen people cry after listening to it. I already know they will. Go. Uh, they may have left something in their pants too. Anyways, I went to Sierra College there, studied uh, pre-law, and then with a pre-law associate's degree, I couldn't do anything. Fancy. So I went to UC Santa Barbara and... Gauchos. Oh yeah, go gauchos. Ole, ole. Well, don't say that. I'm joking. I, I'm going to say that because I like the gauchos. And the gauchos are great. Funny is I love them, but you went to school there. So uh, at, at UCSB, I'll just skip past whatever George's nonsense is. At UCSB, I studied uh, pre-law, and not much you could do with a bachelor in pre-law. So naturally, hey, I... wait, I know what you could do. You could go to law school. I could be a cop. Probably, yeah. but you you weren't a bully. I wasn't. I didn't beat people up as a kid. I shouldn't say that. I have a lot of good friends that are cops. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't be saying these things either because yeah. I, I don't know all cops and I can't make a blanket statement. We just generalize because they generalize about us who do criminal defense. And, uh, and so, I, so I went to law school at this uh, little private school in San Francisco called Golden Gate. Actually, uh, Golden Gate is in San Francisco. It is, and it's private. It's little too. Yes. All those things are true that I'm saying. Uh, I went to Golden Gate, studied uh, criminal law, litigation, uh, public interest, things like that. I worked at several public defender's offices through that time. Graduated law school in one of the worst depressions of our time, so started my own practice. It, it was actually a benefit to me. It's actually the best time to start a business is during a recession, because it really weeds out businesses that are going to fail anyways, which yours isn't. You're doing great. Uh, I'm doing great, and I've been practicing for several years now, and uh, have a Good, good practice, and I practice primarily criminal defense, expungements. Uh, I do some personal injury, debt settlement, a little bit of that, but is most that, most of it is yeah. DUI, misdemeanor, criminal defense, uh, you know, fun stuff like that where everyday people get caught up in bad situations right. and need help. And I forgot to say what I specialize in. I and when I say specialize, I don't mean I, I'm a I'm a certified legal specialist. We're going to get into what that is later on in the podcast, but 
in the area of law that I practice, I practice criminal defense from infractions up to, uh, I'm comfortable just doing attempted murder right now. I, I've been asked to do murder cases and people have had the money, but I just don't want to touch those just yet because I have a very particular practice. So I do criminal defense mostly, do family law, and I do estate planning. That involves writing estates, wills, trusts, do some probate. Go on, Bob. Well, I don't really have much to add as far as my practice areas or or who I am, what I am, things like that. I think we touched on that fairly well. So we, you know, we spoke on that too. We did. We spoke on that a little bit, and let's should I, should segue I say how we into met? how we met. So I was working for a public defender's office in the Bay Area, and I like to give back to my uh, law school. I uh-huh. like to, I like to, you know, whatever is given into you, or whatever you receive, you give. I don't know what I'm saying. but uh, So I felt like I owed Golden Gate Law School some of my time. So once a semester, I haven't done it lately, but once a semester for a while, I would go to Golden Gate during something called appellate advocacy. And basically what appellate advocacy is, is you're teaching law students how to write and argue orally, persuasively. So it crescendos at the end of this two-semester class in an oral argument in front of mock judges. Basically, what I do is I walk in and then I yell at law students, which is like, could be a great hobby. I love it. One of the times, and then I'm walking into this uh, appellate advocacy final, and I'm grizzled, and I, I've had a lot of experience under my belt, about three years, and I'm disenfranchised with the legal system, and I just want to tear someone a new one. And so I lay into this kid he's a hot shot punk really. he knew the entire law in the area that we had to be in it's a closed library so it's not like he had to know everything because that's almost impossible but i lay into him and he does a great job and i give him my card and uh he never calls me back and so i saw this other kid named bob i'm joking. sorry i'm joking it was bob and i said hey you know why don't you come to the public defender's office and Maybe I could help you out with an internship. I can't guarantee you're getting paid, but, you know, you get good experience. And and so that's how we met. And a few months later, he you contacted me, right? Well, a few months later, yeah. I shot you an email. I said, hey, let's uh, have some lunch. Show me the office. And, and you know what I did? I snapped my fingers. You had a job. Boom. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was that easy, but uh, you definitely did have some influence. And, and I, as much as... We're going to find out. I have a lot of influence <laughs> in this Bay Area. Well, as much as I, I which you do too, I like messing with you, and as much as I like putting you down and joking with you, uh, I definitely appreciate that, and that's what really started my criminal defense career was working at the public defender's office. You got some uh, actually amazing after, experience. After George brought me in. You got some amazing experience uh, working for the chief deputy at the office. A lot of murder cases, a lot of like high profile cases that you worked on. I did. I worked on several high profile, a couple SVP, which are sexually violent predator. Um, cases that are really a civil case, but the public defender does work with those cases we as could probably, well. We could probably devote a whole hour to SVP, which we probably will. We probably will at some time. Uh, it might be a little creepy, but that's an hour that we can... An we hour? Can Two hours. Whatever we want to make it, because this is our podcast. But Let's not wondering. promise people two hours on sexually violent predators. I'm going to say four now. All right. can't believe you said four. How dare I say so that? So what is, what is this podcast? Okay. So basically... Well, what, what are my rights? What are your rights? Let's just go right into it. Um, 
We have fan email from one of our fans. Uh, her name's Angela from Walnut Creek. Angela asks, hey, guys, love your show. I was wondering, uh, what is the best way to find a lawyer? Man, that's great. She loves our show, and it hasn't even aired yet. Let's suspend disbelief about that. Um, we well, do have how, fans. How we got these is because we, we posted on our own personal websites. You can find George's website online. You can find my website online. And we just asked people to send us some questions so we can entertain you right. and we can answer the questions the way that, that you want it. We've touched thousands of lives in the Bay Area and throughout the state. And we have a large group of clients that we have a great relationship with because we practice zealous advocacy, which we're gonna, I think we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, and so we asked them questions. What What's the number one question you have? And I've talked to a bunch of lawyers about you know the number one question you're asked as a lawyer. And I think it all boils down to what are my rights? And uh, the topic of tonight is how do you find a lawyer? So how do you find a lawyer? Yeah, that was the question that was sent in was how do I even find a lawyer? What's the, what's the best way to find a lawyer? How do I start? What steps do I need to take? Where do lawyers advertise? Who do I contact? Well, there's so many ways to find an attorney, and there there are good attorneys and there are bad attorneys out there, unfortunately. And how do you decipher which one the good from the bad or the ugly? Exactly, it's, it's incredibly difficult to find a, attorneys and to find a good one and to know he's not bad, to know what exactly to look for. Um, I know I know an attorney. And I'm not going to say names, but I, I remember an attorney. And this will segue into. One way you could find an attorney, um, the Yellow Pages, and I saw his ad, and his ad was like 30 years earlier in his military outfit, and he looked really sharp, but if you were to look at him today, it was actually hilarious because, I don't know, add another 300 pounds and uh, gout, so it was a little false advertising, so I guess one thing you could do is look at Yeah, Yellow but it's not pages. a personal ad. That's true, but it is a little... It's like, wait, you look different. Experienced. Right. Okay, we'll I say think, that. I think. So one way you look for an attorney is the yellow pages or the white pages. Um, or you I, I can climb out of 1970. Yeah, I personally don't think that the yellow pages or the white pages are the best way to go because it, Not today. it is very old-fashioned today. And You know, and it's expensive, too, to advertise it. I had a friend that to advertise in it like for like one of those big spreads. It's like $400 a month. Mm-hmm. Which is a Plus to be advertised expensive. online for uh, different pages. Right, for through the Yellow Pages. Yeah, through Yellow, yellow Pages. Yellow Pages, please don't sue us. If you do, I think Bob Moreland said all of that stuff about you guys. I'm going to deny everything at this time. I don't think no, but Yellow Pages do have some good things to them as well. I, I'm not here well, to put yellow. down Yellow Pages or anything they're like thick. that. But the Someone's, fact that an attorney breaks can... into your office or your home and you have the Yellow Pages, you have a weapon. And it's tough to rip that thing in half, too. But the fact that you do advertise in the Yellow Pages um, is a good place to start. And you can always Google that name or Yahoo Bing, whatever right. whatever server you use. I don't care. Put that name that you find in the Yellow Pages on there. And uh, Another thing that you see uh, if you watch TV throughout the day, which I do. Oh, yeah, daytime are television. Television advertisements. Just after the price is right. And these are, in my opinion, comical. They advertise the the gist of it before, like in the eighties and even in the nineties, was personal injury. I'm not going to say the name of the, the law firm, but I think you remember the names, the one name. Uh, right now, the big thing is asbestos litigation, even though that's kind of winding down. So there's the mesothelioma. Or I see uh, certain mesh uh, commercials during well, the day too. 
Yeah, okay. Different mesh implants. <laughs> yes. Won't say wire. Don't Google it if you're under 18. Now you understand. Don't Google it. Little implication there. Yeah. Actually, don't. So, television ads. One thing you need to realize is they're usually just actors in the television advertisements. And most of the time, the number they give you is a call center or a referral center, which we'll get to in a second. So, you're not actually calling and talking to an attorney, you're talking to another person that's going to refer you somewhere else. Not necessarily bad. But the main way people look for an attorney now is the internet. They use Google, Yahoo, Bing. And, you know, before the podcast, I, I had offers out for those three. I was only going to mention one of them if they were going to pick up the show for sponsorship. But they haven't gotten back to me yet. Yeah, but I did hear from Lycos and Webcrawler and Netscape a is a big one. They're excited about the show, I think. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Oh, yeah, Netscape loves us. What was the other one? Um, Ink to Me. They had a good search engine in 1994. Ask Jeeves. Right. That was, was the one. other one? Just ask now. Is it, it just ask? I, I think so. I'm not really sure. I can't speak. I'm not a representative. Great of search engines, all of them. But I think the main search engine uses Google. So what do you do? Yeah, in order to find someone, really Google is a, a great source. Just type in something related to what you need an attorney for. So if you have a DUI and you got the DUI in Fremont, California, you, would you put might in, type in Fremont, California DUI lawyer. You would right? put Fremont, California DUI lawyer, Bob Mortland. Exactly, or George Derry. Well, Bob mostly does South Bay. He'll do Oakland as well. I, I do mostly the East Bay and North Bay. I do further south, though. I even go down to Monterey, San Benito. Well, who doesn't um, like Monterey? Los Banos. I, I, further south than Georgia is. George does more northern. I'm not going Alameda, to Monterey. Things like that. I'll just tell you that. So let's say you Google a lawyer's name. You, uh, the, the search results, you see a lawyer's website. You click on it, you get a phone number. Okay. Uh, one of two ways you could contact a lawyer, phone or email, most Average law sites have uh, email, um, what is that, like a running yeah, Most strip. of them have a form to right. the side, to the right, well, usually it's the right-hand side, but it could be anywhere on the page. A lot of my clients use my, my form on my website, eastbayattorney.com. Why don't you say your website, because I already said mine. Yeah, I might as well. BobMortland.com, and I have about 30 others, but BobMortland.com yeah, is I, my main Yeah, I have one. a bunch now, too, because my last name is spelled D-E-R-I-E-G, so I have GeorgeDereg.com. But I, I also, people always misspell it, D-E-R-E-I-G. So I own both of those spellings. Nice. It's actually spelled D-E-R-I-E-G. And I'm not going to say it again because it's a podcast. They can just rewind. They could. See what, I'm, see what my correct spelling of my name is. Oh, they're going to listen to it a hundred times. Just don't ask it. me about the pronunciation. It's from Ireland. I don't. You got me to. Okay? you got to say it with an accent, basically. You win. It's probably the wrong pronunciation. While wearing tights. Right. Green? They gotta be green. Not lime green, though. Be tasteful. Pastel. Yeah. I like the lime green, though. So either you email, preferably call. So what happens? You, you call uh, the number, and who's answering the phone? You know, I want to stop here. It's really important. Um, the phone call. And who are you calling? Who answers the phone? Sometimes it's a call center. Yeah. Right? Now, what that means is it's a, it's a business that refers you out to a lawyer locally near you. Um, now, don't get that mistaken for sometimes if you're calling after hours, like after 5 p.m., you'll probably get a phone call to a call, like a, a phone, like what is that, a phone, like a secretary, 
and they'll just re- they'll just send the message to you or something. Yeah, like a virtual receptionist. A lot of companies right. use vir- virtual receptionists who, after hours, answer the phones and just sends you through a message. When you said can... virtual receptionist, I thought of virtual reality, and I don't know why, but my mind went to that movie Lawnmower Man. Remember I, that? I, I don't remember that. There's I have a... never seen Lawnmower There's Man. There's an age gap. There is, which an age is gap. why. Basically, I'm very young and good-looking, and George happens to be really old. I'm old and grizzled. Grizzled. Yeah. Like Paul Newman. And it's Bob, kind of... you're like um, an ugly Zac Efron? Or good-looking uh, Justin Bieber, I was thinking. I was going to go with that. Yeah, everyone calls me that. That's my nickname is the Bieber. Right. <laughs> so uh, we have those, the after-hours of virtual secretaries, virtual administrators. Let's just say that. That's sexist. Yeah, the you... way that I think is best, though, is if you call an attorney... An attorney should answer, and that's how I run my practice. Right. That either either the attorney should answer or the secretary can pass you right to the attorney. Directly through. Now, I always give my cell phone number once the client's retained. I don't give it right away because I would have way too many calls and right. I can't get back to everybody. you got to use proper boundaries and judgment. Yeah. Some people are wackos. Is that the proper term? My wife's a psychologist. She'd probably say no. We need to bring her in as a guest, which brings uh, me to another point. No, we shouldn't. Um, what? Well, we need to bring her in as a guest because she could help us out with some of these things. And which brings me to another point is uh, guests are fun. They're great to have. And we encourage you, if you want to be a part of this podcast, give us an email. Send us some questions or let us know why yeah. you'd be a good guest. We should just stop this right now and say what our email is. It's what are what are my rights podcast at gmail.com. Just spell it out. And if you're going to spell it wrong, then we don't need to hear from you anyways. That's true. And, and they if can you always... want to hear the email again, just rewind it. If you're listening to it on an iPhone, just hit the little 30-second rewind. But don't do it twice now because it's almost been a minute since I've even said it. What are my rights podcast? It, I'm going to shamelessly promote whataremyrightsattorneys.com. That's our website too. Whataremyrightsattorneys, plural, dot com. And That's we're going to be slowly adding a ton of information to that, different penal code sections. And we'll be adding 2,000 pounds of information to that. Every day we're going to be adding a few new pages here and there. I, I do a little work on that. George does a little work on that. We try to be as involved as we possibly can in our own work. So a lot of the stuff you read is actually coming from us. Basically, we're running a full law practice, and then we do this podcast. So in a way, we're martyrs. In a way. Well, I'm a martyr. I don't know. Yeah, you are too. I'm not sure if I can claim that I'll yet. I'll qualify that. All right. Well, we're not going to do ritual suicide. We've already gone over that. Okay. No Kool-Aid. So... Let's say you actually talk to a lawyer, you like what you hear, you have a meeting. What happens next? There's going to be an in-person meeting. It could be at your office. Well, there doesn't have to be an in-person meeting, but I strongly advise you to do an in-person consultation. Over-the-phone consultations really don't give you as much as you need to judge this attorney, to see his competency, to see how organized his office is, or disheveled his office is. It is such a pet peeve, though. People, and I get it. People call. They want free advice. They're fishing for advice. What should I do? I got a DUI, but I can't afford a private attorney. And I'm like, well, how much can you afford? They're like, oh, well, I own my own house, but I want to know what my rights are. And that's a little pet peeve because I'm giving free advice. and Most of the time I just I just give them the advice because I feel bad. I'm a pushover. But Oh, know, I never one, do. One of our... One of our yeah right. One of our pet, every lawyer's pet peeves is giving out free legal advice. I do it for my friends and family, and I'd say at least once a day someone calls, and I just I just give them advice. I mean, life's too short. They'll get the advice from someone else, and I, I'd like to be thought of as a good guy. 
I uh, bill my mother when she calls me. I bill her by the hour, and if she even talks to me for one minute about law, she's getting billed. Well, that's appropriate. No, I, I mean, that's, that doesn't happen. I give plenty of free legal advice. My consultations are all free. George's consultations are uh, free for the most part, depending on what area of law you're in. I, I shouldn't speak for him, but... Well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do a free, like, 15-minute consultation, but I'm going to make sure that we meet in person. Because meeting in person is important. You get a gauge of what kind of lawyer you're dealing with. Um, so you have an in-person meeting. It could be at the office. It, you know what I do, uh, and I'm sure Bob does this too, I actually do home visits if it's after hours. If it's sometimes people can't, don't have a car, or they don't have uh, a way to get to my office. So I could do a home visit, and a lot of times the first time I see someone or family members are in court. Yeah, a lot of times I meet people just at the jail. They, they're in custody. That's where you meet people? That's where I meet people. That's where all my friends come from, or the jail, George. That's interesting. It's not sarcastic at all. Nope. Um, no, a You're lot not of times sarcastic I, I, on this I meet podcast. my clients at, at the jail or anywhere. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you've got a legal problem and you need some help, and I can help you. I'll come see what we can do to, to help you out with your legal situation and get you out of custody or keep you out of jail if that's your goal or whatever it is that, that you're fighting. I'll meet you anywhere as well. Right. Um, most attorneys will give you a free consultation. If they don't, yeah. you might want to be a little suspicious of them because why are they charging you? They should be able to prove that they know what they're talking about, that right. they know what they're doing. Yeah, so you're at the in-person meeting. What do you do? What do you say? One thing, the main thing people ask are, you know, what is my experience? How many years you've been practicing? What have you been practicing in those years? Have you handled a case this specifically? Have you taken it to jury trial? That's important. If you're looking for a criminal attorney, you want someone who's got jury trial experience. Well, possibly. I don't know if it's always necessary to have jury trial experience. If you're in a situation where you just want to plead out, you know that it's going to be difficult to fight the case, and you want to get the best possible result, the minimum possible punishment, Right. the jury may not be necessary. You may want someone who's good at negotiating. Yeah, 95% of the time, it doesn't go to trial. This isn't law and order where every case goes to trial. There's a lot of plea bargaining. I'd say 95% of the criminal case law is plea bargained. Would you yeah, agree? I, I agree. There's a quite a n number of cases that end up just settling or getting a really good but it's uh, hard plea to, bargain. But it's hard to like negotiate that. a case if your lawyer doesn't know or doesn't have the experience with that kind of case. Like, there are certain cases I can negotiate in my sleep because I know the law backwards and forwards and say there, there are some areas of law I don't know and – I mean, and I'll agree that going to trial does give you a better, deeper understanding of those criminal sections because you have to go through the entire process. You have to know what the in limines are that you're going to be arguing, what the jury instructions are going to be, how to argue to the jury, how to read the jury. You want a lawyer that's not led by the lawyers. You really don't. You want a lawyer that's, that's had some action and is not afraid to go to trial. Usually when you're dealing with a DA who knows you're not afraid to go to trial – they're going to end up making a better offer further down the road. But that's we're going to get to plea uh, negotiations much later on. It's well, just a specific area of criminal law. We're probably on time today. I agree. And as far as meeting with an attorney, um, there's several things that you want to look for. You want to look at how he charges. Yeah, what do you charge? Um, there's, a, there's, you know, there's a flat rate. And then there's an hourly rate, and it depends on what area of law. And like in criminal law, for me, I charge a flat rate, but I charge that before trial. So if someone comes to my office and they say, 
you know, I'm charged with this, I'm charged with that. I'm like, okay, well, this is how much it will cost for me to negotiate, file whatever pre-trial motions. And if, but if you set trial, then we need to renegotiate a retainer agreement. So what are basically, if you're going to hire an attorney, you're going to sign a contract. I call it a, it's a legal contract, and that's where all these good stuff are put in, what the rates, uh, the scope of services, what your lawyers actually be doing for you. Well, what what are scope of services? What does that even mean? A lot of people don't even understand when they go to speak with an attorney, what are they hiring that right. attorney for? I know in my practice, I do DUIs a lot. And sometimes I have clients that come in and, and want me to only handle the DUI, not the DMV aspect of it. Right. Sometimes I have people come in that say, no, I want you to handle the DMV aspect and the DUI. And so those are two different things. But you have to understand if that's part of the services or not. And that's something that I negotiate every single time to make sure we know exactly what's being covered that's actually, and how. Yeah, that's actually one huge benefit to hiring a private attorney for DUIs. Public defenders will not do a DMV hearing. And that's, Most we'll, public defenders don't even know what a DMV hearing is. Right. A lot of them because it's, well, it's not too late. that comes By up. the time you get a rain, it's been over 10 days. So you look at the scope of services. There's an hourly rate versus flat rate. Usually flat rate is in criminal law. Unless it's a higher profile case, and I mean, we're not going to get into that. Um, in my family law cases, I charge an hourly rate. In my estate planning cases, I do a flat rate. And in probate, which we'll get to, um, the rates are already decided through the probate code. So before you decide to hire the attorney, I think you should do some research on that attorney. Google that attorney. There's also, a, if we're specifically talking about California, there's the California State Bar website called uh, it's calbar.org, C-A-L-B-A-R.org. You could do an attorney search, see if the attorney has any disciplinary problems, see if they've been suspended, see if they've been disbarred. Uh, stranger things have happened. I've gone up against lawyers, and they've been suspended, and they just called me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm not going to be in court tomorrow. And I'm like, why? I'm like, oh. They gave me some excuse, and I don't pry. And then I go on calbar.org. like, oh, you're suspended. <laughs> I, disbarment proceedings. I actually had that situation happen not too long ago where – it was a personal injury case that I've been trying to settle for, gosh, over a year now. And the attorney we're going against, we find out not too long, about a month or so ago, that he's not even licensed. It's not an attorney not that we're even arguing with, that we're even dealing with. And so now we're going through struggles to get it sent to an actual attorney. And right. It's a, all kinds of legal hurdles that are happening there. So make sure you look at calbar.org, avo. Google, uh, any of those sites, and make sure that the person you're actually dealing with is an attorney and is licensed. In that state. And every state, I think, has their own state bar. You could do a search online. You could def you could certainly call. So just Google whatever state you're in. Mostly this will be California residents. Now, you're probably wondering, what are my rights? I just hired this attorney. Um, well, what are your rights? Uh, you have the right to something called zealous representation. That means your lawyer's going to fight for you in your case, zealously, aggressively, um, not dishonestly. There are a lot of professional and moral ethical codes that we cannot break, but you deserve an attorney that will work for you. Your attorney is really your employee because you're paying them. Wouldn't and you, you can agree? hire and fire this person just like an employee. You can fire an attorney anytime you want, but you know, in my, in my retainer agreements, I always put, even in my flat rate cases, if you fire me, I charge X amount per hour, and then I bill them per hour. If 
they fired me after the hourly rate would exceed the flat rate. I mean, of course, I wouldn't charge them. They would just, I would just be like, you know, have a nice life. Good luck on your case. And uh, that hasn't happened yet. I, there have been cases where I've had flat rates and I've finished the scope of services and I've explained to them that I have and they're a little confused. But everything in your relationship with that lawyer is in that retainer agreement. Keep a copy. Read, read it thoroughly. Lawyers use words like scalpels, like surgeons use scalpels. So you want to make sure you keep a hold of that because the lawyer wrote that and I, I wrote my own. And don't be afraid to ask questions about the fee agreement. He's, the attorney's going to put it in front of you, and they're going to go over each line, or they should. If they don't, ask them to. Right. Make sure you go over every single clause. What does this mean? Why am I signing this? Yeah, because you, you don't want to... every right to know. You don't want to put up $10,000, and then all of a sudden, your case is over in right. two weeks, and yeah. you're out $10,000. Why did you charge me $10,000? You have every right to do that. Uh, what if you're... Now, here's one of the main complaints people have with their lawyers. They don't call me back. You have the right to have your lawyer call you back. Uh, within a reasonable amount of time, and reasonable is a word you're going to be hearing a lot. It's a it's a fudgeable word. Nobody knows what it means. Is it one day? Is it two? Frankly, I call my clients back within half a day to a day. If I'm on vacation, probably when I'm done. Yeah, I but always call them back within 24 hours. I have actually gone and I have called people back while on vacation. Oh yeah. My wife didn't like that. No. Yeah, my, my wife doesn't get too happy when I answer the phone on vacation. But I use my personal cell phone as a means of communication to my clients. And that's really something that I think is good. Obviously, I do it, so I'm going to say it's great and it's the best thing on the, in the world. But I think having an attorney that you can call any time of the day or night. Don't and... call too much. I tell my clients, you know, <laughs> yes. if you're calling once a day for silly things, I end up changing. Like we end up sitting down and I end up saying, okay, well, I'm going to change the retainer agreement. Once a week is great. If something comes up, call. Great. But every single day is a little bit excessive, and there's not – we don't work on your case every second of every day. And I have a lot of clients that will call me every single day saying, oh, what new has come up? Yeah. Well, nothing. Um, nothing. I'm just yeah. eating lunch. But, you know, when, when you pay an attorney, let's say, okay, let's skip forward. You, you sign the agreement. You pay the attorney. What the attorney should do is put that money into a trust account. And a trust account in California, basically the money you put in, it accrues interest, and the, that interest is actually given to the State Bar of California to fund a lot of the things they do. But it's important for the lawyer to have it in the trust account because a lawyer is not allowed to move money that you paid him up front unless he's done work on it. A lot of the times with flat rate cases, I just don't, I usually don't move money unless the case is over or or it's close to being over. If a case lasts six months and it's a criminal case and it's almost done, I'm going to move it. But you have every right. There's another one of your rights. You have the right to be notified that it's going to be moved. So usually it's a, I send an email. You're supposed to send a letter. So I've been, I've been trying to get into that habit. Also, there, there should be a documentation of when the money you've paid your lawyer is actually going to be getting moved into that lawyer's personal account. One of the main reasons lawyers get disbarred is they mess up with money and they're dishonest about it or they co-mingle assets. Money in the trust account must stay in that trust account unless the lawyer does some type of work. And let's say a client pays me $10,000 and I've done, let's say it's $250 an hour, which is common in my family law cases. After eight hours of work, I'm going to send the client a memo explaining what I've done those eight hours detailing. You know, I've worked on this motion, I've done this, 
and because of that I'm moving this with $2,000 into my personal account. So that's $8,000 left that I'm working from. That makes sense? Yeah, and I think what you're pointing out is that attorneys have to have detailed statements. What I'm pointing out, out is that I'm awesome. Well, I, I, <laughs> I don't even want to touch on that right now. Nope. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over that until our next Let's podcast. Let's skip that one. And we can make fun of George uh, a little bit later. You can try. But uh, I think what, what you're trying to say is an attorney has to have an itemized statement saying exactly what money he's taking and what he's done in order to earn that money. He can't just give you a statement that says, did eight hours of work, uh, criminal defense work, right. here's your bill. Right. The state bar governs all of these things, and the state bar is a great resource to go to, calbar.org, in order to see if your attorney is actually licensed, where, um, And to complain about your attorney, too. Yeah, if, if you want your attorney's to not calling you back, if they're, if they're just, you think, doing a, a poor job, if... Make a complaint. I mean, they have a whole wing of attorneys that handle these complaints. Now, what if what if your lawyer isn't working for you? What if they're not calling you back? You're not happy with what they're doing in court. They're dragging their feet. You don't think they know what they're doing. Uh, do you have the right to fire your attorney? Bob, go. You do have the right to fire your attorney. What are wait, my wait. rights? How do you fire your attorney? Well, you I tell them... Hi, I'd like to fire you. Yeah. And you go and you get another attorney. Preferably do it in writing to email and letter saying, thank you, I'm terminating services, please stop working on my case. I've seen I've seen lawyers continue to work and then bill clients after they've been fired. I have too, and after there's been a written statement saying they're fired, it's amazing that they, because they just want to keep billing and keep billing. A lot of attorneys are out there not because they care, not because they want to help people or make the world a better place, but they're out there because they want to bill and make money. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. Um, but you can fire your attorney at any time of the proceedings, so long as the judge agrees with it. I've had clients uh, in situations where I've seen that they had another attorney and they wanted to hire me for trial, and they weren't able to fire the attorney before because it was too close to trial. I haven't personally been fired yet, but you know, feel free to give me a call, hire me, and go ahead and fire me. I've wanted to fire myself from some cases. I've tried to fire myself from some cases and been unsuccessful and gone all the way through trial and won. So I think that's pretty much it. You know, Now you know your rights of how to find a, a lawyer, what your rights are when you hire an attorney. And I think that's about it. We always are, of all the podcasts we've done together, there have been so many. How many? I don't even want to count, so let's not. Millions. We, we truly, I don't know. We uh, we wanted to end on a uplifting note. A very uplifting note. Like I said, I'm kind of a self-hating lawyer. I, Bob and another one of my other friends, Robert, good friend of mine, probably the only lawyers I'm really friends with. All my other friends aren't lawyers. That's good. It's good for you. And don't don't marry a lawyer too. If you're a lawyer, that's that's advice. If you're a lawyer, don't date, marry. Be with, get involved with any other lawyers. So, I'm, I'm not saying that from personal right. experience or anything, but I've seen so many attorneys yeah. uh, get together, and, and it's, I think it's, it's incestuous. Yeah, in a way. Well, the criminal defense community is incredibly small. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone seems to know everyone, and it actually is small. Area. Reputation means everything. It does it takes a lifetime to build. So, and, George, uh, I think you were going somewhere with. with yeah, we like to end the podcast. What's our uplifting note? We're gonna end the podcast on a. Lawyer joke. Every podcast will be a lawyer joke. Well, lawyer jokes pretty uplifting. I love them. They're fun. Give us one. What do you got? <laughs> I 
I just I, I can't keep a straight face. How do you save five drowning lawyers? You don't. Who cares? Yeah. See you next week.